1: is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Eat your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown. New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice. To the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints' season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! T-T-T-Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again! And guess who? Mike Thomas! Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. (laughs) Oh baby! Happy Week 4. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Two-in-one Saints hosting two-in-one Tampa, and hallelujah, Jeff, our boy, our main stud on offense, the hot, revved-up Camaro, a Calvin Camara is back for the black and gold, and hopefully that can be the spark for this damn offense.
2: Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. You know, it's funny. We talked to Alvin yesterday in the locker room. Yesterday, I say that. I mean, Wednesday. You know, he is just as excited as everyone else to be back. You know, he talked wow. about how he's, he's, he doesn't watch football. That's the interesting thing about Galvin. And he's just an interesting person. He doesn't really watch football. He plays football. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew was like that, too. When I asked him, he was like, did you watch a lot of Saints games growing up? He's like, no, I was playing football. I didn't watch football. And so, you know, spending time away from the team, he's like, well, I had to watch it because it's my team. But I just like not well. I was not doing well watching it as a fan, especially he's just like it was good week one and week two because they won. But uh, watching that collapse in week three was not... And you can imagine for Alvin that that was not particularly uh, fun. Um, But we're going to talk a lot about Alvin in this segment and kind of our expectations for how he can change this offense a little bit, how he can help open things up regardless of who's at quarterback, whether that's Jameis Winston or Derek Carr. We've talked a ton about the Derek Carr injury this week. So we don't really need to get into any more about that. We're Gonna have to wait and see. There's gonna be a smoke screen. We're gonna go from there. But we're in the second segment, we're gonna catch up with JC Allen. He's a reporter and writer for Sports Illustrated Bucks Game Day. It's gonna give us kind of the lowdown. The Bucks are dealing with just as many injuries as the Saints. And so, you know, who's gonna play? You know, are you gonna see a Vita Vea, Devin White, any of their cornerbacks? Well, he, he's gonna give us that information. And then we'll close out with picking some X Factors, going over some more notes on, you know, the film that I watched this week. And because, you know, you I talked last week before the Packers game that I didn't think the play calling was necessarily an issue for the saints week one or week two it was about the offensive line protection. Well, I think that when Derek Carr went down, everything kind of felt to shambles. And, you know, I asked Derek Carr about that because I, I thought the the offense actually, when I went back and watched it, I thought it actually looked a lot more cohesive in that first half than it got credit for. You only had four drives. Two of them were long drives for points. One of them was a short field, but, getting the ball at the 40-yard line isn't exactly a guarantee that you get into the end zone. So we'll talk about that. But first things first, let's hear from Alvin Kamara talking about, you know, what it was like watching the offense struggle, not being a part of it, and knowing that so much of what the offense wants to do is contingent upon having him there, right? Like, not only is he a weapon... He opens up the offense. He makes it more difficult for the defense to just send guys and not worry about someone slipping out on a screen or making them hurt on a draw. You know, it changes things, regardless of who the quarterback is. So here's what he had to say about that.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's frustrating out there or not because, you know, uh, with the weapons we have, you know, you feel like you know the, the, the potential we got. You know, sometimes when you see it not come to fruition, it's annoying, but, you know, it's a lot of things. It's it's uh, player error, you know, Everybody wants to blame coaches, but it's some some things we gotta execute better, some things we gotta pull out. So I mean it'll be good. We'll be all right. Get on track.
2: And and yeah, I think like again, you know, you look at it and the players are the guys on the field. Like you can blame the coaching all you want, you can blame the play calling. Coaches can't go out there and and make sure that Andres Pete is blocking the right guy on a screen. That's gotta be Andres Pete doing that. And that's what happened on the play right before Derek Carr got hurt, is they have a screen set up perfectly. Kendra Miller catches a high ball, makes a nice play on it, and all it's going to take is Eric McCoy and Andres Pete. they are both out in front. They both go for the same guy and leave the outside defender unblocked and he comes up and makes a tackle. That's execution. The play was correct. The call was correct. The blocking failed. So, you know, I think, you know, it's not all going to be solved by Alvin, but at the end of the day, the players on the field have to play better. And I think, you know, like these guys understand that and they're not going to sit there and blame Uh, you know, Pete Carmichael for, for them screwing up, they have to play better. And so uh, hopefully Alvin, I think he's an, uh, he's an understated guy. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and go yay, rah, rah. But when he talks, people listen. And I just think that he is a leader of that offense, whether he's a team captain or not. And I expect things to, to be a little tighter with him in there.
1: Yeah. He's definitely a lot more outspoken than say like a Marshawn Lattimore, but he's got like that same swag factor about him. I don't know. Like, you know, guys want to hang out with him. You want to, you want to be around Alvin. I, I totally think that, yeah, his presence is huge for this offense. Just because, to me, he is still the top weapon on that side of the ball. Chris Olave is probably right, right up there with him. But still, Alvin's definitely a more dynamic player that can do more for you. Uh, and this offense needs some kind of spark right now. But it's not, it's not going to help if they're not blocking for him either. Uh, so, so that's another one. Obviously, we're going to need to see, you know, going forward in this game. And Tampa's front, we're, we're going to talk about this every week, I guess, because, oh, it's its going to be another difficult front to face because Tampa's no slouch either on the defensive side.
2: They aren't, but, you know, that's only true when you have your players on the field. Sure. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about this. Vita Vea, Devin White, Carlton, what's his name? Carlton Davis. And Jamil Jamel Dean, Dean, Right. Right. I mean all these guys are on the injury report and you know if they're not out there you know I, I guess we could say last week we were like man no Aaron Jones no Christian Watson no David Abakdiari no Alton Jenkins and you know one thing you'll say about the Packers is if you go go look at PFF they have the number one ranked offensive line in the NFL despite not having those guys wouldn't oh. it be nice to be able to say that and you saw that you saw that in the game like the Saints got pressure but there's a there's an art in allowing pressure, right? Like you are not going to win every time, but you have to win enough. Like the, the, the it's not it's not either you win or you lose as an offensive lineman, it's okay, you get beat but did you get beat to in a way that literally he has a direct line to the quarterback or did you get beat after kind of forcing him to loop around so that the quarterback has a lane to escape? And that's, that's what the saints haven't done. They haven't, when they lose, <laughs> they lose instantly and they lose
1: in a way that the quarterback has nothing. They to, to cannot escape. So, I mean, not, it, it, and, and Carr's not really that mobile. I mean, he can, he can move, but he's not looking to take off. Yeah, he wants to stay in the pocket. Um, you know, one thing that I that I kind
2: of looked up and because we hear the coaches talk about this is down and distance, down and distance, getting manageable third down situations. And you know, I think it's kind of just one of those cliches, It's a trope that they, the coaches throughout there. It's it's true. It's it's actually fair. While you can blame that on the coaching being in bad situations, you know, holding penalties stuff like that. Um, that's not on. That's that's tough. But for Derek Carr was sacked seven times between week two and week three, there was one sack on Jameis Winston. It came on first and 14. Four of those seven sacks came on third and nine or longer. One of them was third and six. So like you're, the sacks are typically coming in situations where Derek Carr is holding the ball a little longer than you probably want him to because he's trying to make something happen. And you know, he also got sacked on a third on a third and 15 against the against the Titans. And so, like, that's the common denominator here is he's willing to hang in the pocket and he's willing to take a hit and throw the ball. But like, man, it's got to be worth it. And uh, yeah, so again, I, I, I promise you wouldn't spend the whole time talking about Derek Carr's injury. But, you know, it, you look at you look at the offense and it's like, what has been limiting them? It's like, dude, does it seem like any defense is respecting the run game in the slightest? Not at all. Right. And so, like, to me, it's like if you can even just the threat of Alvin alone being out there is it makes makes a huge difference. It does.
1: No, right. Like the the one you I think defenses had to respect the most is when you see Taysom Hill lining up, you know, for QB power. Yeah. When you're
2: or you're running that zone read with Alvin, right? Like we've seen, you know, in that game, in that game, you saw Taysom run a zone read with I want to say it was Kendra. And he he actually gave it, and Kendrae picked up five yards. But that's because the defense just went straight at Taysom. They didn't even consider that he might hand the ball to Kendrae, and it worked. But again, it's like you you want that ball to go to Taysom, right? There's a stat out there that when Taysom gets 40 yards or more rushing over the last two years, the Saints are seven and zero. When he gets under 30, 40 yards, they're two and 11. And and while there's kind of some baked in you know imbalances there in the sense that James when the Mario. Saints are ahead. Right, they're going to run him more. So, like he's gonna like in a game they win, he's almost always going to have forty yards. You know, it's impossible to ignore completely. Like you, you have to understand that if you can get Taysom working, it affects the defense. And one way to make sure to make it easier to get Taysom working is to force them to have to account for Alvin in that zone read. Is to force them to have to have someone tailing Alvin out of the backfield because they know you can throw him the ball. You can get him the ball in so many ways. The frustrating thing is, all throughout camp, I kept talking about, man, the Saints are running a lot of like wheel routes, a lot of downfield passing concepts to take advantage of Alvin in the passing game. And wouldn't you know it, the second Alvin gets back, Derek Carr is probably not going to be out there to run some of those. And I'm not even sure if you should, because I think you probably need him to hang in and block as opposed to go out on a slow developing wheel route. But you know, it's it's just one of those things that. Alvin, I would argue, is the best player on this football team. Definitely on the offense, and when you don't have that guy, it's it's noticeable. Um, like look at like you watch the Giants play without Saquon Barkley. Does that look like an offense that can score ever? Uh, it changes the equation, and so hopefully, you know, my hope is that not only are you getting Alvin back, you're getting Alvin fresh. You're getting Alvin not having taken all these hits, and so he's going to be able to play in 14 games. Seven of them come on the front side of the bye week. Seven of them come on the backside of the bye week, and so hopefully you're going to be able to have a full season where you're not worried about Alvin, uh, 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 Alvin's availability. You're getting fresh Alvin. You're getting like college Alvin, where he's only. I would say, about yeah, he
1: mentioned, yeah, he totally mentioned that. I thought that was great. I feel like college again.
0: I'm, I'm fresh. I'm real fresh, you know. Uh, so. Uh, uh, Clancy asked me if I was bored I was like uh, I wouldn't say I was bored but you know uh, I was definitely thinking like okay well it's that's that's three less games where you know I'm texting you know kind of taking that that load and taking those hits so
2: Clancy Barone yes okay tight ends. Tight ends coach. yeah yeah that's how I read it Clancy Barone or that's how I understood it, it was I don't know of any other Clancy's no exactly so that's all I was thinking too I'm like okay the tight ends coach was talking to him I guess I mean that makes sense because you're you're talking. It's just you know the tight ends have to block. They have to work with the. They have to work with the running back. If you want to screen, the tight ends have to, you know. So I think that's probably you know he probably was saying, hey, welcome back, and then and then he was like, hey, are you, are you bored? And I mean, so Alvin has missed an average of three games over the course of the last like two three seasons. So it's like you kind of bake in three games missed with a running back. You kind of have to because of the because of the workload and the and the type of hits they're taking. So you know if if the result of this suspension is that from week four to week 11, you get a fresh Alvin, a game changing Alvin, as opposed to a guy in weeks 10, 11, just limping to that week off. Uh, you know, I think that that could, you're okay with that knowing that you started two and one without him. I I'm excited to see him. Like, that's the thing. Like I think yeah. Alvin is not only an elite player who helps you on offense. I think him just being there. just gives you confidence. Like, I don't know. I think there's value in that. I think I don't think that's a that's a that's I think that's a tangible thing is like, no, we got Alvin. I remember (laughs) I don't know why this is kind of random, but uh, when I was growing up, I was a big UConn basketball fan. I'm still a big UConn basketball fan. I remember when when Diana Taurasi was on the UConn women's team and they would ask Gino Auriemma was like, what makes you so confident you're going to win today? And his answer was and and I'm I'm not making this up. You can Google it. his answer. He said it multiple times. He's like, because we have Diana. And you don't. And I was like, there you go. That's, yeah, that's it. Like, because it just feels that way. Like, you know, the Bucks have Damian Lillard now all of a sudden. And it's like, man, I feel like the Bucks are going to win because I know that that guy can get it done. I know that Alvin can get it done. I'm not asking questions. I, the only questions I'm asking is how do we get him the ball? And how how can we get him the ball as much as possible in the most advantageous ways? And if I'm a play caller, if I'm trying to come up with an offense,
1: even an offense without my starting quarterback, that is a luxury. Definitely excited too, just because of the fact. Last year, even though when he was healthy, Alvin still wasn't Alvin because of that. The, the you know the the case looming over him from Las Vegas. That's all in the past now. Nothing to talk about there. The suspension's even been served, so it's like, yeah, Alvin is uh, free at last, free at last, ready to break through. And yeah, what better time to do it at home against the Buccaneers squad that you're fighting for first place with right now? And yet the. The biggest question is, how's that line going to hold up in front of him? Because guess what? Now you're starting quarterback who, you know, we thought was going to be the guy to, you know, lead the way this season. I I don't know when he's coming back. I I don't believe it's this week at all. Do I think Jameis can hang in there and be that stopgap? Sure. But I'm still not confident, though, in Jameis getting the ball to Alvin, if that makes sense. Well,
2: you know what? The funny thing is, you know, and you mentioned he's free at last. He literally said that. He said, I like, said, <laughs> I'm free, uh, figuratively and literally. But, you know, the funny thing you, you mentioned getting the ball to Alvin, that week two matchup, uh, against the Bucks last year, Alvin didn't play. I think he was dealing with a rib injury. If I, if I recall correctly, he was okay. dealing with something he didn't play. So you had Mark Ingram. And one of the things that happened in that game is Mark Ingram fumbled in the red zone in a position where you probably, that's probably Alvin on the field at that point. You know, one of the last times we saw Jameis on the field being effective, on, and, and that's not including week one. Obviously, they had that big comeback in week one. But if you go back to the 2021 season pre-injury, and I, and I don't think he was ever fully Jameis last year with the, with the knee injury, right? Like, you, you saw him wearing the knee brace. He wasn't as mobile. I don't think he was as confident. But the last time you saw him play very confidently was, I want to say it was week five, maybe week six. It was out in Seattle. It had the bomb cyclone, if you recall. And he went to Camara like 10 times in that first half. And it was fi- and I was like, thank you. I have been waiting and waiting for Jameis to... You know, he, he had played well. He played reasonably well. But he had never really incorporated Alvin in the way that you want him to in, in terms of just... He's a guy that you got to get the ball in his hands. And that game they did. And it's the reason they won. I know he had at least one catch for a touchdown in that game. And I think he had 100 receiving yards in the first half. And then they started bracketing him. And that's the thing. Like, if you can get your running, the defense to have to bracket your running back, you don't even have to get on the ball. You've already won because that means that those defenders are occupied. And so you can attack other things until they have to transition away from that and you go back to them again. So I'm hoping that the Saints go back to that tape and be like, you see how you used Alvin in this game? That's what we need to do. Like, that's how we need to win with Alvin out there. And so, uh, you know, Alvin got asked about uh, Jameis and this is what he had to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, if Jameis got to step up and play, I know he, he, you know how Jameis is, he got that energy and he want to get out there and he want to do everything um, that he can to help us win. Um, I think just us being able to rally around him, just like they were rallying around Derek. you know, it's it's some things that we got to clean up up front, like I said, to be able to protect. But as long as we protect Jameis and give him, the time and opportunity to throw and, and you know give him some of the calls he like because I know he gonna go and stand on the table and you know he, he he fiery and he wants to throw the ball downfield and he wants to you know he wants to make splash plays he wants to keep everybody engaged so I mean just just understanding you know there's spots that we gotta pick and and sometimes we take what we get uh, what they give us and other times too then we can we, so other times we can take our shots and and, and you know kind of attack the offense but you know if, if James got to do it I got full faith in him you know. Um.
2: Part that stands out there, it's like subliminal messaging. You know, sometimes (laughs) we have to take what they give us. It can't always be a chunk play. And that's what I really want to have instilled in Jameis, assuming he starts that, like, you know, a, a first down is a win, right? Like, you don't need 20 yards on third and three. You need three. Find a way to get three, and then we can worry about. Okay, how do we pick up these 20 yards, 40 yards on first and second down and go from there? Is if he, if they had done that uh, against the, against the Packers, I think they win that game. There was too many instances in that second half where they, they just felt like they were going for big plays when it's like, I just need a first down. The defense just needs a minute to catch their breath and you're not giving it to them. Um, and so,
1: yeah, like that's a long winded way of saying like throw the ball to Alvin. <laughs> You you mentioned that with the defense, and that that was one of the uh, the problems last season. The offense didn't do them any favors towards the end of the game, and they had they ended up getting so gassed at the end. We saw some very winnable games slip away easily, and we don't need that to become a trend again for sure. Uh, running the football, uh, and, and, and thank God, album is back because it just it's been a tough trudge through it all. There's it hasn't been really any of those big runs that have been bro- that have broken through. I, I, don't, I can't even tell you the longest run of the season, maybe, what, 11 to 12 yards kind of thing.
2: No, they actually had a couple uh, outside runs in this game that were 15-plus yards. Okay. Uh, I think both Kendra and Tony had 15-plus yard no, runs. Nothing in the 20s, thing. though, yet. And they were all both – I want to say they were both on that drive late in the first half when the Saints – I think it was an 82-yard drive that bogged down in the red zone. And that's the type of thing that you haven't seen is, you know, getting to the outside and really making them hurt downfield. Now, the one question that I have that is going to be interesting to see is okay, so now Alvin's back. Who is the RB2? Because obviously Jamal Williams is on injured reserve. I think you trust Tony Jones. I think his floor is higher than Kendra's. Like I think you have a little bit more trust in him from the perspective of pass protection. But how many reps are you going to be asking? Tony Jones to pass protect anyway, right? You're going to want Calvin on the field for a lot of passing downs. So is Kendra not the better option? Like I I feel like Kendra in terms of a guy who's more of a home run threat where when he's on the field, they're going to assume, you know, that, that, that it's not, you know, maybe the play's not going to the running back because you don't have Alvin in there. I don't know. I think he's a little bit more dynamic. And I thought like, I, you know, I mentioned this in the, in the, on the Monday uh, episode and you know it only was reaffirmed by actually watching the game i thought he was solid in his debut in terms of looking like like looking the part right he didn't look overwhelmed there was no point that i was like man if that was a different running back he breaks that there was one or two questionable reads maybe he missed a hole but he did the simple things well and that's what you need to do as a rookie to get on the field and no disrespect to tony jones i love tony i think he's going to be on this roster at least until jamal gets back I think that Kendra should be, you know, getting those, getting the, the bulk of those second string wraps at running back.
1: I think he'll get those snaps for the running back. But like you mentioned with Tony Jones, they'll definitely trust him more for those blocking scenarios where I think because of that, he ends up, they'll end up having pretty even snap wise. So it'll be like 2A, 2B uh, running back wise for me, just because, uh, yeah, you're still going to need Miller, his dynamic presence on the field. But I think, yeah, Tony Jones blocking ends up putting more value on him, and you know it's funny we we didn't bring up uh, Traquan at all. It's just yeah, funny yeah. now when you seems like this team needs blocking most, we've gotten rid of one of the best blocking options on offense.
2: Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't lost on me. But I get, like, like like the issue isn't blocking on the edges per se. It's yeah, you know Traquan's not lining up in line at tight end. Uh, so yeah. But uh, you know, I think I think the way you're going to see Tony uh, utilized is, you know, maybe I think Deuce calls it like two pony, where you have two running backs out there. Like I think that's probably where you can take advantage of Tony in, in heavy formations, right? And when you're when you're going jumbo and you're just trying to block and you're trying to get the ball to taste him for a run play, you know, I, I think you take advantage of him there. But yeah, I, I, like I I don't want to like I want to see Kendra's confidence continue to build because if I there's think, a point I think they to do in, too, obviously. Yeah. Oh, of course they do. Right? He's a third-round pick. Like you, you, you pick a guy in the third round because you expect him to contribute. So, to to me, I think he showed that he's ready. That, yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Is you know, and and I'd like to see him. Continue. You know, he hasn't been able to practice with Alvin the last three weeks, right? Like they worked together a lot in the preseason, but he didn't get to pick Alvin's brain really before that game. So maybe that's something that he can kind of watch and learn a little bit more. And uh, anyway, I, I think I, I'm I'm very happy to see Alvin back. That's all. This is a very long segment that boils down to. Yay. Alvin's back. Uh, and uh, I, th- I think Saints beat the Bucks, And we're going to hear from J.C. Allen in a minute here. Um, I think this, they should be confident going into this matchup. And even with without Derek Carr, I think you should be confident that you can go out and win this game, that you can harass Baker Mayfield, um, and that you can put points on the board. Uh, at home, in front of your fans, they're going
1: to be loud. And uh, Chris Godwin already said that he's afraid of them, basically. So... That was a very interesting comment from him. It's it's like, wait a minute, Chris. He sounds like you want to come play for New Orleans, almost. A
2: little bit, A little bit. bit. Kind of sounds like he's like, yeah. When I go, when I play at home, it's like they, you know, it's an open an open stadium, and all the air goes out of the building, and everyone sucks. <laughs> that that wasn't a direct quote. That was me paraphrasing, in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, but all right. <laughs> so let's wrap up that segment. We're gonna come back here on Inside Black and Gold. We'll talk to J.C. Allen, a writer for Sports Illustrated Bucks. Game day. And uh yeah, and then we're gonna come back in the final segment and get into some X Factors for Saints Bucks in week four this side Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, he's Steve Geller. Follow us on Twitter at Jeff underscore noak at Steve Geller WWL at Saints underscore pod. And if you haven't subscribed yet on YouTube, do that at wwl sports. wwl.com is the website. Latest Saints content. Got an interview up with Mickey Loomis today. Mike Haas did that. It's a pretty interesting interview. Anytime your GM has to explain a 17 point collapse in the fourth quarter and it did not disappoint. So go check that out. We will be right back. Stick around.